Avotai Shalach, Parashat Shalach, it is so awesome because there's so much to learn. And I like to just start off with a question. And I know Orion already asked me, Rabbi, please let me, let me get my any question you want. And I'm going to ask him right now. And that is, what is the biggest mistake that a person could do in his life? Ah, yeah, yeah. Huh? <laughs> wow! How did you know that? How did you know that? <laughs> that is probably, wow, amazing. That's exactly right. All right, you said he told him? That is really, uh, I'm really impressed at you, Eddie, but that is very impressive. You heard what he said? You heard this? What is the biggest mistake that you could do in your life? The biggest mistake that you could do is after you made a mistake, to follow that same exact mistake again. You messed up once. You messed up. And you know you messed up big. Big time. I'm talking about big time. Big, big time. To repeat the same mistake twice, that already, that already is a big no-no. That is already a big no-no. You know, there was a guy, um, um, I don't know if you know, back in the day before Easy Pass. You know, before Easy Pass, they had like the toll, you put in the, you put in the coin and things like that. You put in the quarter or you put in a, a 35, whatever it is, you put those coins, right? And a fellow was telling me, I got a ticket twice. So what happened? He said, you know, he used to buy those fake coins. It wasn't a quarter. It wasn't. A, it was. It was one of those fake things. Like it costs like a penny, and you buy like a fake. It looks like a fake thing, and you just chuck it in. It looks. Like, it's like a piece of metal. You just chuck it in. And you just go. So he said he bought it, and he throws it in the in the toe, and and guess what? The the thing went on, right? And he, and he did it with the next toe again, and he, the same thing. He's like, what are you doing? You messed up once. You messing up the same exact mistake. And but what's even a bigger mistake that you can't do? When somebody else did that same mistake, and, and he, he already made that mistake, and you didn't learn from his mistake, that is even a bigger mistake. And why am I telling you this now? Because Rashi really explains, says, what is the connection between this parasha and last week's parasha? Oh, Miriam. What, please explain to me, what was the connection with this? Last week it spoke about Miriam, and this week it spoke about the Meraglim. And what happened was, Miriam was basically Eldad and Meidad. We said last week, Eldad and Meidad, they were having this Nebu'ah. And they were like, whoa, with Ruach HaKodesh, something amazing. And Miriam walks by and with Sipporah. Sipporah was Moshe's wife. And, and she says, Sipporah says, I feel bad for these, for, these, for, these, for these women. Which woman she was referring to? To the Eldad and Meidad. Because it was such a high level that she felt every Navi has to separate herself from her husband. That's what Moshe did, right? Separated from Sipporah. So Moshe, Mo, Miriam heard that, and Miriam said, whoa, what's going on? So Miriam went to Moshe in an asking form in front of Aharon, just talking like, how could it be that you're separating from your wife? And it was maybe like a little bit, maybe derogatory. That little bit for Miriam was considered uh, considered for her, and she got Salahat, and the whole nation, maybe three million people, waiting till Miriam got better before they even traveled. Why? Because we know it was midah keneged midah. Miriam waited. How long did Miriam wait for Moshe Rabbeinu? When Moshe was a baby, 
she saw that her mother, what happened? It was in the river in the Nile. Now, she wanted to see what's going to happen to her brother. And how long did she wait? Anybody know? How long did she wait? Anybody can know? Two hours. Anybody else? There's a Tosafot that says, there's a Tosafot that says about 15 minutes. 15 minutes waiting, 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 waiting. And biskud that 15 minutes, biskud that, Hashem calls midah keneged midah, measure for measure, that the whole Ami sale, you waited for Moshe Rabbeinu, you waited for your little brother for 15 minutes, the whole Ami sale is going to wait seven days until you get better and healed from the tzara'at. Midah keneged midah, when you do something good in life, Hashem doesn't pay you back, you know, uh, uh, one for one. You know, in life, between me and you, if your friend does you a favor, let's say a, fr a friend took you to the airport. You had to go to the airport badly, he takes you to the airport. So you owe him a favor. What are you going to do? You're going to take him to the airport. But imagine now, would you be considered, wait, one second, I took you to the airport. Now every time I need a ride to the airport, from now until I'm uh, another 20 years, I want you to take me to the airport. Is that fair? It's not fair. What are you talking about? I took you once, so I'll give, pay, repay, repay you back the favor. I'll take you one, another time. But to go ahead now, I tell you, for the next 20 years, since I took you once, you got to take me. It doesn't make sense. But Hashem doesn't work like that. The way Hashem works is that you do one faith, in a sense, you do one good deed, Hashem says, I'll pay you 2,000 times. Not, 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 not one. The, the Gemara says this. He pays 2,000 times. So that means imagine you're giving... To organization, let's say, right? You give a thousand dollars. How much Hashem gives you in return? A thousand times that that thousand. Or whatever good deed that you plan on doing in your life, you make. You just smile to someone in the morning. Some people, you know, uh, uh, they need that just to, just a little bit, you know, just a little bit to to get invigorated. Give them that smile, that one smile that you gave that person. Hashem is going to make sure that He's going to take care of you 2,000 times more than that one smile that you did. You know, the Gemara says, what's better? A glass of milk? A guy, is, let's say a guy is, 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 is very, very thirsty. He just needs some milk just to like, whatever, something, a little bit of milk. And you give him a whole glass of milk. And he's like, oh, wow, that was amazing. Uh, it, it quenched me. Or a person that smiles with his white teeth <laughs> to another person. So the Gemara says, it's better to smile with white teeth. Ah, how you doing? Because in the mind, there's chemicals that's happening in the brain where the person feels good from your smile. Wow! It's an amazing, it's an amazing point. The Gemara actually speaks it out. Better to give a nice smile <coughs> to somebody than to give them a glass of milk. What costs more? A glass of milk. And it's more work, and it's this. But what do you do? Smile. How you doing? Good morning. How's everything? I miss you. How's it? Wow! You know what you just did? You know what you just did? Hashem will pay you back 2,000 times. 2,000 times more than that one smile. What is it? It's free. Just go like this, you know? Yeah, it's just a smile. I know, I know, I know something. Yeah, I mean, that I know. Hashem will smile back at you. One time you'll see Hashem where you really need Him the most. And all of a sudden it pops out of nowhere where you see it like, what a sign. Whoa, this and that. And that. Whoa, how did that happen? You know, you, you're working on a business deal and this, that. And boom, on your table comes a paper. What? That happened? I can't believe it. From the chance of happening, it'll be one in a million. It's the craziest thing. And you'll see it in your life, by the way. No question about it. But I'd like to continue here. What was the mistake? The Meraglim should have learned from Miriam. If you speak a derogatory, maybe. If you speak Lashon something bad, 
what happens? There's a punishment. There's a punishment. So the Meraglim should have learned the mistake from Miriam. What? The mistake should... Listen, you can't speak derogatory. And what they do? They spoke derogatory of what? Who knows? Of Eretz Now I have a question. I don't have an answer yet. But hopefully somebody could give me an answer. So I'll tell you the question. I'm not going to give you the answer. If somebody could answer, it would be great. And that is, I don't understand. What's the comparison to this? That's what the Mepashim answer. That what? They should have learned? The, the reason why this parasha is right after Miriam is to teach you that the Meraglim, it's Mehu, the Meraglim should have learned from Miriam not to speak derogatory, not to speak bad about Eich Se'el. How could you learn? How, what's the connection between one and one? At the end of the day, Miriam spoke about a human being, about Moshe Rabbeinu, right? How come Moshe, you're separating for your wife, Sipporah? What were the Meraglim speaking about? The land of Israel, Eich Se'el. The, does the land of Israel uh, hear anything? I understand Moshe, even Moshe, he was very humble about it, by the way. It says in the Psukim, he was very humble about it. But the land of Israel, I understand when he's speaking Lashon Hara, you're hurting, you're hurting another fellow Jew. You're hurting, he has feelings, a person has feelings. Imagine you speak something bad about somebody else. He has feelings, you hurt my feelings. At the end of the day, I don't care. At the end of the day, people are going to look at you differently now. But over here, it's the land of Israel we're talking about. Ah, so so explain, Orion, explain what's your answer, please. What's your answer? What's your answer? Dude, does Eretz Yisrael have feelings or no? Eretz Yisrael physically has feelings. You're saying Eretz Yisrael right now, uh, if a person steps on, uh, on Eretz Yisrael, you're stepping on me, you this, you that, huh? You're going back, you're going Kabbalah Zohar, the Malach of Eretz Yisrael. Okay, what do you have to say, Teddy? Let's hear. Oh, I hear. I hear. Okay, okay. The Jews land. All right. I, so, so, so basically, what I got, basically, what I got from everybody, which I am. You, so, 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 you're affected. So, you're saying even a restaurant you can't talk about, which is true. You can't write bad about a business because you ruin his business. Okay, I got you. So, but, but he doesn't have feelings, though. Who has feelings about a sale, Mark? Please tell me. Who? I have. How do we feel? Uh -huh. I, I hear you say. So you're saying when they spoke about the land of Israel, even though I would say, technically speaking, on the lines of Teddy, that at the end of the day, Hashem is saying this is the promised land. This is the land, Eret Zavat I'm giving you the best land possible. For you to go ahead and talk derogatory, it sounds in a way you're talking about the person the creator who created the land. I, Hashem says, this is the land of what? Milk and honey. Why is it, Mike, why is it called milk and honey? Why? Anybody can tell me why? Uh, the uh, cows are going to be so well fed. Oh. That the exactly. The goats. The are going to be so very good. Very good, Mike. Woo, woo. So what happens? The, the, the land is so uh, 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 satiated that the dates of the tree is so full of honey that it's going to ooze out from the, from the palm, fall on the floor. It's going to be so much honey. And the udders of the goats, they're going to be so saturated with, 
with milk. When you walk in on the road, you'll see milk and honey. I don't know if you ever have a, a shake. You ever have a shake, milk and uh, uh, dates? You ever, have, you ever have that shake? You know, I had it once in Israel. They gave me a whole thing with milk and honey and dates. It was crazy. Psycho drink, right? In any case, in any case, maybe we can answer like the boys are saying that it's derogatory in the sense where you're speaking about the person who created the land. Therefore, it's kibyachol even harsher. You're speaking about Hashem. Hashem didn't create a great land, a perfect land. Maybe you can say that. In any case, let's go on a little bit. And that is, they walk in to a land and they see, they see people dying. Now, was that a good thing or a bad thing? Good thing or a bad thing? Wait one second. Why would it be a good thing and why would it be a bad thing? First of all, when they came back, what did they say? What did they say when they came back? Yeah. Exactly. It's a land that swallows the inhabitants. I like that one. Very nice. It's the land that swallows the inhabitants. Eretz ochelet yoshveha. It's a land ochelet eats its inhabitants. What happened? What happened? Hashem made a miracle. Listen what happened. Hashem made a miracle, saying like this. Imagine 12 guys coming to the country all at once. They don't look part of the country. Imagine you have 12 guys coming into America right now. What would Trump do? They don't look at, like, at all, at all, like, 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 like Americans at all. What's the first thing? You question a million things. Imagine 12, 12 people coming to Israel. What's the first? It's a red light. What's the red light? People are going to start looking. Oh, my goodness. Who are these guys? Where are you from? You don't look like one of us. Well, what are you doing here? What happens? Hashem made a, made a miracle. He made a nest. He made a situation, the best situation that the Meraglim can ever have, that the spies can ever have. What's going to happen? They're going to go in. People are going to be dying and dying and dying and dying. So what do the people do? They go bury the dead. And therefore, you think they're focusing? You think they care who came in the country, who didn't come in the country? They couldn't care. They have to bury the dead right now. So Hashem distracted the people in order for the Meraglim come back and they don't, they don't even recognize them. But what does the Meraglim come out and say? What do they come out and say? Oh, don't, don't, that land is wild land. Why? Because you don't understand, they eat its inhabitants, they did this, they did that, they did that. So in a sense, in a sense, what really Hashem was doing great for them, they used it and utilized it as a negative. Now, my question to you all is, do we blame, do we blame the Meraglim or not? Meaning to say, let's just go back a little bit with the episode of the Meraglim. Think about what's going on over here. Hashem promises them, you're going to get the land. You're going to get the land. All the people, they know, they're going to walk in and they're going to have to fight a war against many, many kings. It took Yeshua about seven years to conquer 
You have to understand, they're going into Israel right now, and they're telling them, you want a peace treaty or you leave? You leave, peace treaty, or we fight? Imagine you're going there. Why? Because this is our land. So what are we doing right now? Peace treaty? We can have peace. Or you guys can leave. Or fight a war. That means B'nai Israel is coming out of Egypt, going in the desert, how much torture they already had in Egypt, going into the desert and going straight out to fight into a war. That's a wild war. Of course, God promised them they're going to win the war. Of course, God promised them they're going to they're get that land. But at the end of the day, the people wanted to know what they're in for. What am I getting into? It's like if a person, example, he starts a new business. I mean, it's, it's not such a great example, but remember, starts a new, you have a start. I, I remember I was by, by a person's uh, store once, and he was telling me it's going down, it's this, my bills are this, and I have to pay for that, I have to pay for that. And I don't know what I'm doing, but I need to quit this job and start a whole new thing. It's scary, like, where are you going? Imagine you get lost without ways or anything like that. You're lost, like, where am I going? You, 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 get, you, get, you go wild. Uh, your phone died, and, and nobody has your phone. You're on the highway, your, your phone broke down. What are you going to do? You're on the side, you get nervous. So what do you want from Naysale? The, 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 don't they have a right to be nervous? Don't they have a right? Think about it. In their situation, their position. The answer is no. You know why? Because they saw all the miracles that happened, how Hashem destroyed Egypt like this. They should have remembered all what Hashem did to say, oh, if Hashem did that already, then there's no question about it. Hashem will continue blessing us. Right? But now, the Meraglim, they all know what B'nai Yisrael want. What do B'nai Yisrael want? They want not really to go in because they're scared what's going to be. So the Meraglim, in a sense, they want to appease the people. They want to appease the people, and therefore, well, what's the first thing that they want to do? Let's say, for example, you're a leader. Let's say you're the president of the USA, and you know every single, like a lot of people, let's say, 80%, let's say, want a certain rule to be applied in the country. And you're about to be elected. But you know deep down, it's not the best thing. What would you do? Honestly, what would you do? Again, the situation. Implement the rule. You're right. I, I, I would agree to that. You know why? Should I tell you why you implement the rule? Because you have so much pressure from the 80% of the country, if you say this rule won't happen, it could be they'll impeach you. They'll say, get out. They'll throw tomatoes at you from here to tomorrow. They'll, they'll ban you. They'll scream at you. They'll say you're a nut job, and who knows what. So now I ask you if that's the case. You have the Meraglim. You have the spies in a situation where they know what the people want, and they finally in a position of power. What do you want from them? You, uh, you blame them? They want to make sure the people are happy. So therefore they want to say to the people what they want to hear. Would you say that that's a sufficient answer, yes or no? Huh? I would say that's sufficient. I would say that's sufficient. So maybe we could say, maybe we could say the reason why they spoke bad about the land is because the people wanted to hear what they wanted to hear. So, the, 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 in a sense, the Meraglim didn't really want to speak about bad about the land. No, they wanted what? They wanted it just to appease the people, to keep their position. But guess what? That doesn't, that doesn't make it a bad. 
get, it doesn't make it okay. But think about Mark. Think about the pressure. Imagine you have 80%, whatever it is. Think about the pressure where everybody's telling you, let's go, let's go, let's go. Imagine the way you say, call on. The 90% of the guy wants call on, call on. What is the wrong? Oh, he's out bad in a way. Oh, wait, call on. You, know, you get what I'm, trying, what I'm trying to say? It's a very, it's a very pressuring situation over here. Imagine you have you have hundreds of thousands of people all want to hear what they want to hear, and you're going to go against the color. That's a very big pressure. But guess what? That didn't deter them. That answer is not sufficient. Because that answer, they bring down the Zohar actually quotes. What was the reason why they spoke in the way they spoke? They didn't want to do it. Oh. They wanted to stay in the desert. They, why? They they were the leaders, and when a person feels the taste of honor, of being a leader, it is one of probably the biggest painful things a person could go through where he had leadership, and he was pulled down from his leadership. Empowered. He was empowered and pulled down from that power. It is probably one of the biggest pains a person could go through. More than a person that he was, let's say, very wealthy and pulled down from his wealth. Power is so much stronger than that, where a person was in a place of power and then pulled down. It, it causes inside of a person the biggest pain, like, what? You, I, you can't believe it. What happened? What happened was the Meraglim understood that once they get into Israel, their power is gone. Why? Yeshua was going to be the next leader. They knew Yeshua was going to become the next leader. That means Yeshua is taking the cake. Yeshua is getting all the power. That means all the power is going to be gone. And therefore you see a great lesson over here. You know what you see right here? You see a lesson the sweetness of honor could do. Honor, you have to be very careful in your life to run away from honor. It's sweet. It is delicious. It's probably one of the biggest pleasures in the world out of everything. How do I know that? I remember one rabbi told me like this. He said, he saw once, there was a cop. He was having, you know, those big fat jelly donuts? He was having a fat jelly donut. I, and the jelly was like coming down his, uh, his chin. Oh, what a jelly donut. What a jelly donut. And he's going down. And, he's, uh, and all of a sudden what happens? He's going slow. You're going slow on the road. Why are you going slow on the road? Because you're having the jelly donut. You can't drive fast and doesn't, you can't enjoy the same. So what did he do? There was a guy behind him and cut the cop off. Because I understand the guy. The, guy the, guy. the cop is driving so slow. So he cut the cop off. What was the first thing, reaction of the cop? Sirens. Pull over to the left. I understand you're eating a jelly donut. You're relaxing with the Boston cream thing. And all of a sudden you're pulling this guy over. What happened? The answer is, he disrespected me by passing a cop. You don't mess with a cop. Huh? You have to right away go, go, go. You, know, you disrespected me by going in front of me? Yeah? Okay, I'll pull you over. But you're enjoying your donut. No. Honor is a higher pleasure than a physical, uh, 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 physical pleasure. Honor is even higher. How do I know that? I'll prove it again. You ever hear of... Uh, King named Yeroboam ben Nevat. You ever hear of him? Anybody ever hear of him? Yeroboam ben Nevat. You ever hear of him? No? Huh? He was evil, but what happened to him? What happened to him? He was in a position of power, of ruling over ten tribes, ten Shevatim. 
and what was going on, he wasn't really from Shevet Yehuda. Shlomo's son took over, Rechavam, and he was from Shevet Yehuda. In the Beit HaMikdash, the only person that could sit on the throne, basically, in the Beit HaMikdash, is who? If you're from the dynasty of David. If you're from the dynasty of David, you get to sit. What happened with Yeravam? What happened with Yeravam? Yeravam, he understood people have to go three times a year to the Beit HaMikdash. Which three times a year? Pesach, Shavuot, and Sukkot. What happens when they go? Who are they going to see sitting in the front? The king! And they're not going to see Yeravam. They're going to see this other king, Yeravam, which is Shlomo's son. So therefore, they're going to come. All the people are going to come. All ten tribes are going to come to, 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 to Jerusalem three times a year. What do they see in the front? Who's going sitting in the front? So who's the king over here? Yeah, it was two kings at the time. There was two kings at the time. Rechavam was one king over two Shvatim. Yudan and Yamin. And he was king on the rest. So when they go and they see Rechavam sitting, they're going to get confused. They're going to say, oh, you know what? He's not the real king. Rechavam is the real king because he's not sitting in the throne. So what did he do? What did he do, Rabotai? In the beginning, he started off a very good king. The honor and the kavod got to the got to him so badly that he ended up putting idols on the side. You want to worship? No, you don't have to go to Jerusalem anymore. There's new rules now. What's the new rules? You are going to worship over here, right here. On the way, he put guards. Where are you going? To Jerusalem. No, you're not. Imagine you have guards now. Oh, the king said, you're not. But I have to go. The Torah says three times a year, you got to go. No, no, no. Over here, which korban you want to give? Give it over here. We're going to build, build, a, build an idol. This, this, is, this is where you're supposed to give the korban now. What? What? What happened? The honor got to a person. It gets to your head. If you go ahead and try to grab the honor, guess what? It could get to your head. It is dangerous. It is poison. I'm telling you, poison. I'm telling you. I remember my rabbi. He came to me once and he, he was flipping out. The next morning he was flipping out. I said, what happened? So I just, he told me the personal story. I just came from a wedding last night. Last night the wedding... They gave him, you know, at the wedding, they gave him berachot. You know, they give the berachot out. This, th this person gets a berachot. That person gets a berachot. Under the chuppah. And one of the relatives, he didn't, he didn't give a berachot to. One of the relatives. And he felt, I'm, I'm close to the thing. I deserve the honor of making that berachot. And at the end of the chuppah, he went up to my rabbi and he says, don't you ever talk to me again. I was like, what? He didn't understand. You don't give me a baracha. Like, hello, you're looking at it like you're fighting over a baracha. You know what happened? You, you, the, the, the answer is you never tasted that type of honor where, let's say, for example, you're in a chupa and you're excited. Uh, you have 400 people going to listen to your baracha. Baruch the honor is so great at that moment where a person doesn't think properly. It, it's, he's totally off. I'll tell you a personal story that happened to me. I was driving one day, and there was literally, and I kid you not, and I'm telling you the story that personally happened to me as I was driving. There was a guy, he was with a cane, maybe 90 years old, maybe 95 even. The guy was walking with his hunchback, Happened to me, I'm telling you. 
to the guy. I don't know. I don't think he's Jewish. No, hunchback, and he was walking. He came like this, and he was crossing the street. Now I had the green light, and of course, I'm not. I'm making a left, and I'm not going to hit the guy, and I'm also going to be very far from the guy. But I had the right of way as well. I had I can make a left. Now he just started crossing the street. And I was on the other lane. So I made my left to the guy with the cane. I'm telling you, with the cane. He lifted up the cane like this on top of his head. What are you? You should wait for me. Hello, I'm, ver I'm very far away. I'm maybe eight feet away from the guy. Totally, totally away. But in a way, it was dishonorable for him because everybody waits for him from the beginning where he starts walking the street until 10 minutes later until he passes. But he, 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 lifted, he lifted up his cane above his, above his head. I saw my own eyes. So where did the strength come from? You can't even walk the street. What happened? You know what happened? I'll tell you what happened. You hit a soft spot. You hit a soft spot that you dishonored him because you dishonored him. His adrenaline popped out of his brains and he started feeling like an 18-year-old with all his strength. And he said, what are you doing? So you see, what honor could do, it could bring out something that you never imagined possible. And guess what? It wasn't only him. It happened to who? In a few weeks, we're going to learn about who? Korach. Korach felt that he deserved a certain position where Moshe gave to somebody else. And now Korach says, oh, Moshe is giving it to all the relatives, this, that. You have to have this connection and with that connection. But what was he deep finding that? He felt he deserved that honor. And guess what? That's what killed the person. And this is a great lesson. This is a great lesson we learn. That in life, yeah, you will have situations, maybe you won't, but you might have, let's say like this, you might have, you might have situations maybe that people, maybe not now, but later 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, people might dishonor you. Maybe long term, you'll have, let's say, a son-in-law comes into your house, and he's being disrespectful a little bit. You know, what are you, disrespectful me? I gave you my daughter. you crazy? Could be. Could be. I'm saying it's very well. And that's, that's where Shalom Bayit starts happening, where the father-in-law says to his daughter, this is, what you, this is what your husband does. He comes to the Shabbat table. He doesn't say Shabbat Shalom. You better tell him, Shabbat Shalom. tell him to kiss my hand next week. He doesn't kiss my hand. He's out of here. You know? And all of a sudden... All of a sudden, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> so all of a sudden, all of a sudden, a person can get into what? Into Shalom Bayit issues. What happened? And then guess what? The, the son-in-law tells his wife, what are you, crazy? So we won't eat there. any Shabbat. Every Shabbat we're going to stay and we're not going to eat there. And then all of a sudden, the whole tumult comes in there. And then all of a sudden, the father tells the daughter, you didn't see me marry a rotten guy. And, and before you know it, the marriage is corrupt. They can't get back together. They can't. But what happened? It all happened from what? Disrespect that somebody stepped on your honor. Sometimes in life, you got to feel that, take that pain of disrespect, eat it up, swallow it, and move on. There was one time a politician 
and they were really bashing him and bashing him and bashing him. And 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 this politician said over, he said they asked him like they interviewed him, how do you do it? So I have a rule. I have a rule. Even when the guy spits in your face, you wipe it off, you smile and you shake his hand. All, everything's good. All's good. It's the, all the image. It's the this, it's that. But he's able to swallow his pride and that will continue making him successful. Because when a politician, let's say, I'm just give an example, a politician gets, gets up there and imagine right now in the crowd, he's giving a speech. One of you know those big speeches he gives? Imagine a politician giving a whole speech. And all of a sudden, somebody screams out, you stink, you know, one guy. A guy could fire up. You, shut your mouth. And I, then, and I, what would everybody think about the guy? The guy's a nutcase. I'm going I'm 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 to make him feel he's my president. Now get out of here. He's a nut job. Look what he does. He screams at the crowd. So what do you do? You keep your mouth shut. You swallow your pride. Boys, boys. You swallow your pride. And you continue. And I love saying this as well. Sometimes your wife will dishonor you too. Sometimes your wife might say a harsh word. You're a good for nothing guy, you. She might do that under her breath, and you heard it, and it might tick you off like, hello, you're seeing birds, and you're ready to go wild. And that's when you swallow your pride as well. Honor, I learned in the class about honor tonight, and I know i got to swallow my pride. It's the same thing when a person's driving. Sometimes a guy might dishonor you by cutting you off. What's a person's reaction? This guy cut me off. Do you know, he cut me off, this guy. Fuck, he, goes, he cut him off. And then he cuts you off. And then he cut him off. And then, <laughs> and then who knows what? <laughs> then he's chasing you. He's coming at you. Know, who knows what? So you got to sometimes what? You got to swallow your pride. Swallow your honor. Because it might happen where people might step on your toes. And you can't answer back. It might happen with an employee and a, and, and a boss. A boss might shamble you. Listen, listen, buddy. You're late every single day. What's going on over here? Every single day you come late? Every single day? What am I paying you for? And deep down, deep down, you have crazy excuses. Every day you have crazy excuses. What do you mean? Today, uh, this happened, and, and, and you have good excuses. And, and tomorrow, that happened, and this, that, that happened. And every single one of those excuses is great. He doesn't want to hear anything. He just wants you to be on time. You could have the best excuse. He doesn't want to hear it. Just swallow your pride. You're right. Boss, I'm going to take care of it. Tomorrow I'll be here on time. That's what he wants to hear. So give him what he wants to hear. Because guess what? You're going to gain more like that. You're going to gain more like that. You swallow your honor, swallow your pride, and you'll see so much more success and flourishment.